Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Salamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here. Talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Let's serve some breakfast toast here on a Friday. Happy Friday to you all. It's a football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Happy to be doing this with you once again. The uh, seventh edition of the Football Friday Show here and uh, the 2016 season. It's Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino. Happy to be here with you. Busted water heaters and all, Amo, huh? Oh, man. I don't know what's going on. I've been having yeah, that kind of know, stuff happen lately. Life gets in the way sometimes. So here's the deal. I've got Amo with me now. Might not have him later uh, because, you know, like I say, things get in the way in life. But we'll try and enjoy him while we can. Here's what we're doing on the show today. Amo and I are going to talk college and professional football. We're going to preview some games. We're going to give you some predictions and do the thing that we do every football Friday. Then coming up in the second hour, I'm going to talk some college football. We'll talk University of Miami football with Brian the Beast London. Talk Florida Gators football with Nick Delatore from Gator Country. And talk Florida State football with Safie Dean from the Orlando Sentinel. And we'll end it all as we do every football Friday with Joshua Wilson from Florida HS football to talk some high school football down here in the state of Florida. A couple of big games as we start to get to the nitty gritty in high school football. Emil, you remember them days, right? That wasn't I remember the old nitty gritty. <laughs> the good old nitty-gritty days are here and upon us. All right, so we're going to kind of work things backwards. We're going to give you the picks uh, up front this week. Uh, we're going to give you an advance on the picks because, you know, like I said, don't know when Emil's going to have to cut out here on us. But before that, Emil, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes here to, you know, I know you're elated today because you're a big Dodgers fan. You're a Dodgers fan, you're a USC fan, you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, and you're from Pennsylvania. Makes absolutely no sense to me. But your Dodgers do advance in the National League playoffs. Uh, go ahead, have your moment here. Well, no, that was, listen, I, I was getting pissed last night listening to the announce. Well, first of all, you've you probably seen my post over last week. There should be an STFU button on my controller for Harold Reynolds, okay? <laughs> How that dude ends up doing a Major League Baseball game, I got no idea, okay? I, What's I got your problem with Harold Reynolds? What's the deal? Here's my problem. When my wife walks in the room and I don't say a word, and she goes, hey, who's that guy with the weird voice that won't shut up? <laughs> I said, that's oh, Harold Reynolds. Good grief. Good <laughs> <Okay>. grief. <laughs> that's, I'm not making why that are up attack, either. Why are we attacking Harold? What do you do wrong here now? It just he says some stuff. There was a gig. He said, "Well, let's not get into it." Second game of the series, I can go into where he he suggested the Dodgers were retaliating with a runner on first, one out, when a guy got hit with a curveball because earlier in the game, uh, Scherzer had let one go over Corey Seager's head in his first at bat in the first inning. It was obviously slipped, and you're sitting there going, "Harold, are you drinking in the booth?" They're not hitting a guy with a runner on first with a curveball. Anyway, uh, let's get to last night. It was. Mm-hmm. They, they're going on and on about the seventh inning lasting an hour, 
It was an elimination mm-hmm. game, okay? It was the best inning of the game. The Dodgers scored four runs. The Nationals scored two. So it lasted an hour. Who cares? You're watching a game. It was a very interesting game. I mean, do you watch a football game, Chad, and say, geez, I hope this ends in it quick? I mean, I never, baseball fans have to be, some of them, are the weirdest group of people I've ever seen. They love the sport, yet they can't wait for the game to end. <laughs> True. Um, well, that doesn't speak volumes for the game, that, you know, those who don't love the sport and what goes along with it will say that it's boring. I heard that same talk about soccer as well. It's just you're not really into the sport if you're saying something like that. I mean, am I oh, right or right. wrong? Right, and I know, I know people that don't like sports, period, that think football's boring. I mean, but the, my point is, if you like something, this isn't coming from people that don't like it. It comes from people who supposedly love the game, like Tom Verducci, who writes about it, is doing the game going, oh, man, this inning lasted an hour. It's like, Tom, you're doing one of the more riveting playoff games of this season, okay? So it lasted an hour. What do you got, dinner reservations? Big deal. <laughs> it lasted an hour. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay, let's get to what happened on the field, though. What was great about the game, obviously I'm happy my team won, but I don't think there was a goat in the series. I thought both teams played to a a high level, the Nationals as well, and it was good to see guys really show you what what we always talk about, you and I, with sports. Like Kenley Jansen throwing two and a third innings as a guy who hasn't thrown more than an inning and a third all year and hasn't thrown more than two innings in the last five years in a game that was an elimination game is something I'll, I mean, I'll remember that game. Kershaw going out to the bullpen. Jansen said he was in the dugout sitting there, looked up on the monitor. He said, I see Kersh jogging out to the dugout. I said, holy hell, he's not going to actually loosen up, is he? I mean, mm. he threw 110 pitches two days ago. Turns to the manager and says, I got this. I'll close it out. That's well, the, that's, you know, that's, that, isn't, isn't that what you got that guy for? I mean, uh, you know. Oh, I agree. But but not but there's very few guys like that the bum garners and him guys like that that that's gone those days of what you and I grew up with little league baseball has pitch counts now everybody's got a pitch count those days of a guy throwing 110 pitches and then two days later saying oh, I got this I'll close it out and they're high leverage pitches don't forget he comes into the game first and second one out the Nationals' best hitter is up. I mean, right now, I think if Dan, Daniel Murphy swung a bat with his eyes, eyes closed, he'd have a decent chance of getting a base hit. He's going to face Murphy and then another guy with the winning run on first base, the, the, the tying run on second. They're not just pitches that you're throwing nice and free and easy. They're high-leverage pitches. I, was imp- I mean, listen, it was great. I'm glad my team won, obviously. But, I mean, the, the performances, to me, are what make that special. Had they won, That game was better than them winning 8-1. to one. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that as well. And it's October baseball, and that's what you and that's what you want. And it can also draw on a casual fan. I'm sure there were plenty more. I didn't see the ratings. I'm sure there were plenty more people watching baseball last night than at any point you've had so far in the season. So good that you had a game five, and that it was a game like that. I don't know about you know people worrying about the game taking too long. Just relax already. You know, man, what's What's my wife is not a, a, a sports hater. Now, she may not be like Carmen in that, you know, you guys go to games, but she likes football. She'll sit there and watch it with me. And, you know, she looked at me last night. She was watching the end of that game. She said, I love watching this. She goes, I, she goes usually during the season there's so many games I can't sit and watch it like you do. But she goes, these playoff games are unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, they don't have as much meaning, uh, those regular season games. And that's probably the biggest problem that baseball has. There's 162 games. It's hard to get – 
all you know lathered up about a game in the middle of June because it doesn't you know mean as much. So there you go. All right. Well, we promised some picks up front here, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Here we're going to you know, Emil, if you're ready to go here, you're going to give uh, your college football picks right now, um, and then I'll yeah, we're going to let you guys. We're gonna we're gonna rely on the audience to be honest and not turn the show off because usually we save this for the end of each segment. But you know we definitely want to get these in because you know should I have to leave you know we'll, we'll at least have out out there for everyone. Um, so let's start in college. Let's see first. Let's let's recap. Well, you know, look, you know what I think I think it'd be better if we you know let's let's do it this way. You give both the college and the NFL picks and then I'll go. Does that sound that sounds good? We could do that. Hey, that works for me, buddy. I'm I'm easy to get along with. Here you go. What do you got? Okay. Let's start off with our records. You're 10-8 going into uh, today's uh, college section for the year. You've been above 500, doing a good job with your picks. Me, not so much. I'm seven wins, ten losses, and dragging around a push. So I need to give you a 3-0 this week, and I think I got it. Okay, first, let's start. You know what's really harmful to a team that throws the football, Chad? Uh, he's intercepting it. Well, that besides that, but you know what's really hard is playing in a hurricane. Okay, that wind and, and, and water tends to make it difficult to throw the football. And what's even I more difficult say. is when, yeah, and then what's even more difficult is when you defeat a team that you absolutely hate the week before and have to play in that hurricane. That's what happened in North Carolina last week. This week. They're being very much, I think, uh, disrespected in this game by by the Hurricanes. The team both of us tend to root for you more than me. Uh, I'm going to grab North Carolina with seven here. I think Miami will win this game. I think it's going to be a really tight ball game. Back and forth, I expect Miami, the last team with the ball, to somehow find a way to win this game by a field goal. But I, I think Miami, coming off the Florida State game, they're going to have to get their heads right early in this game. Could let North Carolina jump out. You're going to get a full touchdown. I'll grab that full touchdown with the Tar Heels uh, to cover the point spread here. Moving next. Next. Uh, you know, you take a look, and uh, here we go again with Alabama. They're about to win another national championship, so everybody thinks, except for one thing. We have made 12-point favorites on the road at Tennessee, and I told you earlier in the week I was very impressed, as impressed as you can be with a team that lost and turned the ball over seven times. For Tennessee to make seven turnovers on the road at A&M, and actually take that game to overtime just tells me the talent level with this group. I think they'll be up for this game this week. I I think Alabama will as well, but that's a tall task to ask Alabama, after what I saw Arkansas do to them through the air, to cover a 12-point number versus a very talented Tennessee quarterback and the kind of guy that gives Alabama problems. Let's grab Tennessee with the 12 points. Well enough, Tennessee out of the SEC. What's next? And now, staying in that whole vein, um, you know, Arizona's not a good football team this year, but there's always a but. When they get, play you in the desert, they tend to play you tough, okay? They're playing my Trojans, and they're getting nine and a half points at home. They lost by seven at home, and I know that doesn't always work, but they played Washington into overtime, lost 35-28. You're going to ask USC to come out there with a – redshirt freshman quarterback and get their first road win of the season and do it by double digits? Mm. I think the Trojans win. I think this is a tight ball game back and forth. You know, maybe something like in the order of 31-28, somewhere in there, but nine and a half points, too many points. Let's grab the Wildcats at home as a nine and a half point underdog. Works for me. 
Keep it going. NFL time. Now, we move right over to the NFL. You know, Tom Brady's back. Did you know that? I heard last week he kind of did something. Yeah, he did some stuff last week. And, and at the same time, the Cowboys opened a can of ass-whooping on the Bengals and ran the ball up the Bengals, down the Bengals, throw it everywhere they could. But the Bengals have a very good front four. And that was really not a performance I've been – that's typical of the Bengals, okay? Now the odds makers have gotten carried away with themselves. They've taken a team that's been to the playoffs five years in a row with one of the better front fours in football against a Patriot team that really isn't great at running the football like the Cowboys are. Mm-hmm. Nine points? I'll take the Bengals in nine points. They're two and three. Boy. They – they need to play this game like their season's on the line when you consider what the Steelers have done to date. I think the Bengals will give it everything they have here. Nine's a big number. I expect the Bengals to stay inside that number. Moving on? Moving right along. Oakland Raiders are 4-1, and one, and that's great for football. We need the Raiders to be good. But you know what? 4-1 and one concerns me with the way that defense plays. Okay, The defense gives up tons and tons of points and yards and all that other good stuff. And last week, they needed a botched field goal and not go to overtime with the Chargers. Tonight, this week, the, the Kansas City Chiefs roll in. They're 2-2. Two and two. They can't let this division get away from them. The Raiders win this game. They've got a two-game lead in the loss column. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game outright in Oakland. They're giving one point. I'm going to lay that point with the Chiefs. I expect them to, off, uh, I expect them to win this game and tighten up that uh, AFC West. All right. And then finally... See what the Atlanta Falcons did last week in Denver? They went there and beat them, right? They Pretty did. impressive. Well, the, not after last night. Well, one of the most difficult places in the league to win is Denver. But the most difficult place in the league to win, at least for the last five, six, seven years, has been Seattle. Now we're asking Atlanta to make that cross-country trip a second week in a row. Somebody in the NFL offices in New York don't like the Falcons. Are the Falcons improved? Sure. Are they going to win this game this week the way it's set up? I don't think so. I'll take the Seahawks. I'll lay the six points. I feel that the travel combined with everything else in the home field advantage, Seattle pulls away late here for a two-touchdown win. Go Seahawks. Lay in the points with the Seattle Seahawks. Well, there you have it. Here's what I'm looking at this week in uh, college football. I'm going to start off in the Big Ten. Um, that's you know where all the noise has been as of late, but I'm not going after the big time games. Just call me you know uh, whatever the word is you want to call me you know chicken whatever. But I'm going for the value this weekend. Iowa has uh, not been the Iowa that we saw last year, and uh, I think this line is kind of built off of that. We've got an Iowa team that's not as good as last year. We've got a Purdue team that is better than last year, and we've got a Purdue team that's playing at home. We've watched Iowa struggle through their game so far this season. I don't know what in the world makes anyone think that Iowa is a 12-point favorite over a winning football team right now, but that's where you're at. Iowa is a 12-point favorite. I like Purdue in this contest. I think Purdue can hang in this number. Iowa they, you know, may very well find a way to win this game in the end because you know Iowa kind of has a way of doing it. I just don't see them running away with the win. So I'm going to take Purdue as a 12-point uh, underdog at home in this game. I'm going to travel over to your conference, Emil, and that is the Pac-12. I am going to back, uh, and again, not going with the big-time games, looking for value this week, and I'm going to go with Oregon State taking on Utah. Here's Utah, like Iowa, is not the team that they were last year, despite the fact that they own a 5-1 and record. It's an unimpressive 5-1 and 
and other than that USC win, I find it hard to find an impressive win. And even in that game, USC kind of gave that game away to them. So here we go. Utah is on the road. They're playing Oregon State. Oregon State not having the greatest season, but they're a scrappy bunch. And I think at home in this contest, catching nine points from Utah, I think Oregon State's going to be good for it. They're going to give Utah a good fight in this one. So I'm going to grab another underdog here with Oregon State uh, as a nine-point underdog in this You're contest. You're grabbing the Beavers. With, I'm going to grab it. I'm going to – okay, there we go. Trumpian <laughs> of you there, Amel. All right, staying in the Pac-12. Um, Arizona State on the road against Colorado. Listen, this no doubt this Colorado team has made a tremendous turnaround. They're four and two on the season. They've uh, you know gone to Oregon and knocked off the Ducks. But each passing week, that win over the Ducks does not look as impressive as it did at the time. So Colorado, yes, an improved team. Is Colorado ready to run around and be double-digit favorites over teams? Uh, I don't think so. And double-digit favorites over a team that's five and one? I doubly don't think so. And I think this is too many points for Colorado. They're being put in a position that they don't belong in. Colorado is a 12-point favorite in this game. I'm going to let you know right now. I don't like it. So I'm going to take Arizona State and the casino defense to come alive and probably do a lot to humbug Colorado's passing game. So I'm going to take Arizona State as a 12-point underdog. And that's what I like in college football. Sliding over to wow, the Wow, a lot of points, Chad. We're taking a lot of I'm points. Nuts. I'm grabbing that chalk. Hey, call me stupid. Call me hard-headed. Call me all that. I am. I think a well, this is going to be the last time, all right? If this doesn't happen for me here, I won't be doing it again. There's an 0-5 football team in uh, the NFL, and it's called the Cleveland Browns. They are on the road. I think odds makers are struggling to find a line that the Cleveland Browns can cover, and I think we found one here. Tennessee is a 2-3 and three football team, but they're not this kind of football team. Tennessee, this is still the NFL any given Sunday, and even though the Browns are 0-5, I just don't think the Tennessee Titans are the kind of team that can go cover 7.5 points as a favorite. They're not that squad at 2-3, and three. so I'm going to take the Browns to fight it out one more time, and this is probably their last gas to you know be a football team this season. I like them as a 7.5 point underdog. Won't do this again if it doesn't work out, though. Uh, 49ers. Thanks for uh, warning us in advance. We appreciate that, sir. There you go. All types of confidence I'm putting on that pick right there. But I'm going to take uh, the 49ers this weekend as well. They're putting in a brand-new quarterback, some dude named Kaepernick. Um, if he could stay off his knees in this game, the 49ers got a good chance to, you know, do some battle here with the Bills, who have put together two very big back-to-back wins. Actually, they've won three in a row. The Bills have beaten the Cardinals, they've beaten the Patriots, and they've beaten the Rams. Of course you want to make them big favorites in this contest. But after back-to-back road games and coming back home, I think the Bills are going to be in a worn-out bunch looking to take a little mental break while you have the San Francisco 49ers looking to turn their season around, hence the change at quarterback. I I think Kaepernick gives them a boost at least for one week, and I like them as nine-point underdogs in this contest. And then finally, uh, you know, that big game that they're having on uh, Sunday afternoon, it's the Cowboys and it's the Packers. Packers are 3-1, and one, still not impressed with the Packers, though. Um, though they won against the Giants, it just I wasn't bowled over by what they did out there. And I think Dallas is just playing really good football right now. And I think that's going to continue. You can't make this Dallas Cowboys team that has won four in a row, done so in impressive fashion, doing all the things that they need to do. You can't give them more than a field goal. So I'm going to take that uh, with the Cowboys as they are four-point underdogs in this game. So that's where I am, man. We're going to jump into a break. Those are the picks. We'll be back right after this on the Gridiron Set Show.
the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Football season's here and you want yourself set up for the weekend. Well, the Gridiron Stud Show is the place to be. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. and get the best picks in college and NFL football from Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino. They'll break it down for you, give you a little analysis and a little intelligence. You can do that or you can do this and listen to this. Hey, call me now. I've got the tough plays for the entire weekend. Call me now on a recorded message that will give you free the Jets versus the Bills, the Lions versus the Cowboys, and the Eagles versus the Bucks. Call me now. I've got winners for you the entire weekend. Absolutely free. 1-800-238-I-WIN. 1-800-238-I-WIN. I've got all the inside info from all the casinos. That are those tickets. Call me free. I've got all the winners. Give them to me. I got them to you. You get them. You got them. I got them. We all got them. No need for that foolishness. Gridiron Stud Show. Every Friday, 10 a.m., Chad Wilson, Abel Calamino give you their top picks in college and NFL, and we win without all the foolishness. No spitting, no yelling. Top plays every week. Tune in every Friday, 10 a.m., Gridiron Stud Show, Blog Talk Radio, hosted by Chad Wilson and Abel Calamino. See you there. Right, folks, let's talk right now. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will blow this man out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. I'm on a roll. 13-3. 13-3 my last 16 on games of my life. On Saturday, two-team NFL parlay on the I thought so far the bad. I knocked him out. I knocked the man out last week. Listen, I will take my hand, knock him out. I will take my hand. You know what I did? I, I know I'm like really mellow today. So what I did is I relaxed during the break. Two espressos. They were beautiful. Matter of fact, they were doubles. Two shots of Zambuca. I am feeling so weird. All right, folks. This is the bottom line. Now listen. You know how some of your friends tell you there's no such thing as a sure thing? There's no locks. There's no guaranteed winners. Forget those people. You know what they are? They are losers. This is a biggie. Six one million star blockbusters absolutely free. Take it away, bro. Okay, thanks, Jim. Don't ever touch my hand again, by the way. Folks, listen! This is the biggest happy Easter everybody out there. Eat hearty. Eat like an animal. I know... I could listen to that Stu Finer reel all day. How about the don't ever touch my hand again? <laughs> that man... Uh, I mean, he could do five-hour energy commercials all day, although it's not five-hour energy that he is on. Nevertheless, Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino here with you on a football Friday, 1024 on the East Coast. If you're out west, wake the hell up. It's Friday, people. Go put your day of work in and get ready for 
a extra splendid weekend. Hey, college football is on deck as it is every Saturday in a couple of huge games going down this weekend. Emil already touched on one of them because, you know, he's the big game hunter in uh, college football, if I can uh, go ahead and say that for him. But, um, you know, it's Tennessee and it's Alabama. Emil, you're free to talk about this one a little bit more if you if you want, but that's a, a big-time football game. I kind of disagree That's what we do here. Of course I want to yeah, talk about probably the biggest game of the weekend. Um, I, listen, I... I'm not even saying, I'm not calling for an outright here, but when you start looking at how bloated this line's gotten, I mean, I'm a believer in Nick Saban. I like Alabama, but you're asking a team here to go and win on the road back-to-back weeks now. They, they, they beat Arkansas last week. We talked about it on Monday's show. Nick was not happy with the pass defense against Arkansas, and I know they'll work on it. But Arkansas doesn't have nearly the, the type of talent Tennessee does. My only concern with Tennessee here really is, can they get up for the game? But I, I can't imagine them not. I mean, they played so sloppy last week at A&M that I have to think they get a good week of practice in. Um, I was impressed that a team could turn the ball over seven times at Kyle Field and take an undefeated football team to overtime. You know, usually you turn it over seven times, you're losing by 21 points or more. Yeah, um, you know, no question about that. And then, you know, what I also wonder, too, Emil, yesterday, I don't know if you heard the announcement, but the Florida and LSU went ahead and rescheduled this their game. And in so doing, Florida agreed, Emil, to give up the home game against LSU and go play it in Baton Rouge on the 19th. Now, I wonder if Tennessee, who's cried, for lack of a better word, for the last, you know, uh, two weeks plus about the the game being rescheduled because the, I guess Tennessee fans really don't feel like Tennessee can win this game here today and they're going to need Florida to lose that second game so that they can make their way to uh, the SEC championship game. I think there are just on both sides too many presumptions uh, as that is concerned because every now and then you can get slapped in this league by someone you didn't expect. Nevertheless, I wonder if Tennessee gets a boost off of that game being rescheduled and uh, an even extra boost that the game's going to happen in Baton Rouge as they, you know, the assumption there is that, you know, Florida's not going to be able to beat LSU in Baton Rouge. Well, they may feel like they're playing with some house money, which may cause them to play a little loose here. I think they should Mm -hmm. feel that way anyway. I mean, listen, you're 12-point underdogs at home. So obviously Vegas and most of the country doesn't believe you're going to beat Alabama. Mm -hmm. I'll say this, you know, I, you know, it's always hard when you pick against Alabama. I always hold my breath when I do it because they have that way of grinding a team down. And even if it's a close game, somehow they, they put up two touchdowns late because the other team's defensive line has their tongues hanging and, you know, the, uh, you know a guy busts a 50-yard run. But w- what I like with Tennessee in this game is what they have outside I think is going to cause some problems for Alabama. And that type of quarterback just over the, the Nick Saban era – has always seemed to give Alabama a little bit of a fit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He can move enough, move, you know, move the launch point in the, in the pocket, and, and that seems to always give Alabama trouble. So I, I'm going to be surprised if Tennessee gets blown out here. I really am. Yeah, uh, the only thing I would be concerned about is just, you know, Tennessee in that second half just kind of, running out of gas. You know, we said that would happen next last week against Texas A&M, and it was anything but that. But at some point, Emil, the tank's got to run dry. And you know what? I'd be afraid here if Tennessee can put together another game like last week, which would be the fourth week in, in a row that they had to do that, that tank could run dry against someone they're expected to beat. 
So maybe they've got. Oh, well, I actually believe you hit the nail on the head, Chad. I actually was going to say that. I think the the tank will run dry. I think they're on fumes, and they, you know we opened with baseball for people who are tuning in late. To use the analogy, you know uh, Kenley Jansen was pitching last night on fumes when he got to that 40th pitch. Okay, he got 10 more pitches in on adrenaline. Um, I'm mm-hmm. more worried about his next time he comes in to save a game. You know, is is he out of gas because of of that effort? And that's kind of what I'd be worried about if I was a Tennessee fan here. I think they'll show up and win or lose, be very very competitive in this game. I obviously think that I made it a pick, but I'd be more concerned as a Tennessee fan. The 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 last four weeks where you run Florida, Georgia, Texas A and M, and Alabama as unfair a schedule as you'll find in the country this year for four weeks. Does it run dry maybe next week or two weeks from now off a of bye? at South mm-hmm. Carolina, a team that really isn't good this year. You yeah. know, is, is there some where you just go and you get caught, where you, you relax, you take a breath, you get a week off, everybody fears, oh, you have a bye, you'll be all rested, but maybe mentally you check out for a week or two because, right. hey, we got South and, Carolina. And you know what? They showed that uh, against Appalachian State that they could lose to an opponent like that and then had a problem with Ohio. Uh, but when you look at the rest of this schedule, they do have the – uh, I would say the advantage of having a bye after this, and it would be well deserved, Emil, um, after the four-game stretch that they are, you know, about to complete with this game against Alabama. But then it's South Carolina, then it's Tennessee Tech, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt. Certainly not games that they're going to lose, but that South Carolina game could be a problem. And you know what else, too, Emil? Vanderbilt at the end of the season. Vanderbilt's a pain in the rear end. Yeah, you know, they Vanderbilt will find a way to lose at the end. But in a game against an in-state rival um, with a lot on the line and, you know, maybe you're emotionally drained a little bit, uh, could be a problem for Tennessee. So Where we'll is see that how It's at Vandy in Nashville. Well, so. you know, I'm going to give Tennessee some credit in that, you know, early in the year they, they said USC had the toughest schedule in the country, and they very well may. I don't know. We have to look at it closer someday. But this Tennessee schedule, you know, at, like you've been saying this all year, Appalachian State, you can't sleep on them. They're a real football team. They're good. Mm-hmm. They played Virginia Tech, who's proven to be a lot better than anybody thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio's typically well coached. And then you run the gambit, the gambit we just talked about with these four games. I would say coming into this game, Tennessee, if, if you're looking at football karma, probably about where they should be. As weird as the Florida game was, Florida dominating the first half, Tennessee dominating the second half, I have no problem with the result. They probably should have lost the Georgia game. I mean, they got lucky there. But conversely, they, they're probably a better team, in my opinion, than A&M. The only thing that saved A&M was seven turnovers and home field advantage. I think if they play A&M again on neutral field, they probably beat them. So, yeah, this is a very, very good football team. I mean, there's no fluke here with Tennessee. Um, Alabama is always Alabama. We know what they are. Um, they've got a tough schedule now coming up, too. They're at Tennessee after being at Arkansas last week, so you got back-to-back road games. Then you got a game at home with A&M and another a, a, a week off and a, a game at LSU. And you know what? No matter what you say, playing at LSU is still going to be a tough game. So Alabama's got their, their work cut out for them. Uh, the, everything's in front of them, let's put it that way. Yeah, well, you know, we spent a good amount of time talking about Alabama and Tennessee, and that's for good reason. Uh, this is, it's kind of dry this weekend in college football in terms of matchups for the uh, ranked opponents. Not a whole lot of games on the schedule that uh, would, you know, get you get you all juiced up. Obviously, the folks down here, 
um, are very interested in how Miami battles back uh, in, in the game against North Carolina. I'm going to have Brian DeBeach London on in the next hour to talk more in depth about that. Florida State's ranked number 14. They get Wake Forest at home. This was a close game last year. Uh, Florida State off of the win last week against Miami. And given how now Florida State's defense showed up last week, they probably had to get geared up really big time for that. Is this a dangerous game for Florida State against Wake Forest? Who's five and one, by the way? Uh, my problem, yeah, my problem for Wake in this game is as I look at ways for to try to imagine them winning it. I I don't know if they have the weapons offensively to exploit some of the holes that Florida State's shown on defense early in the season. And it could be a case of maybe Florida State's just getting their act together defensively because I know Miami has weapons offensively, and I'll tell you what, Florida State, I think, held them under 300 yards last week if I go look. Um, mm-hmm. so, I think so. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if they'll cover. If you're asking me, the 21 points seems like a hell of a lot of points. I don't want to try to figure that out, but I don't see Florida State getting tripped up here as far as just the you know, the game itself. Yeah, um, you, would, you wouldn't expect that either. It's just I don't know what kind of game they're going to play, and, you know, like I said, we're going to – Talk about that a little bit more later on in the program with Safid Dean from the Orlando Sentinel. But there's not a whole bunch that we could uh, talk about here on the schedule. There's a big one in the Big Ten. Uh, Wisconsin getting Ohio State at home. Is this a spot where Ohio State could slip up? You know, the Buckeyes have uh, put together all blowouts. They've not had a pressure game yet. Um, Can Wisconsin put the pressure on, and, and can Ohio State stand up to the pressure? Well, traditionally, Wisconsin gave Ohio State fits when Barry Alvarez was there. Uh, you know, in the Trestle era, you know, I could go back and look, but I recall quite a few games either it came down to the wire or they lost there at, at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything can happen. Wisconsin plays some good defense. It's just hard for me to envision a Wisconsin team scoring 26 points a game, which is really pedestrian. Uh, you know, in today's college game, going uh, and beating an Ohio State team that scores over 50. I know anything can happen and weird things happen. It's on the road. I, I just think right now, for my money, Ohio State's the best team in the country. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't disagree with you there. I feel that same way. They just got to play like it on, on this particular uh, in this particular game right here, one thing working for Wisconsin is that they've had those pressure contests. They've had to get up for some football games, and, um, you know, they've had some success. Uh, LSU to open up the season, um, and then the uh, game at Michigan State. Obviously, this is not, you know, the Michigan State of seasons before, but Wisconsin didn't really know that going into this contest. Uh, then you had a tough one against Michigan last week, and a game in which you performed better than folks uh, expected you to now you know yeah but let me let me around. tell you what sticks out for me in that game and, and why i think the score could be misleading have having i watched a big chunk of that game first of all michigan's kicker missed three field goals all i think under 45 yards so you know makeable field goals that make that mm-hmm. at least a two score game more importantly mm-hmm. wisconsin comes up with 159 yards of offense in that game and I hear Ohio you, Amal. State. I hear where you're going, but you know what? Folks said this about this game, uh, about Wisconsin's game against Michigan State when we're coming in to play this Michigan game. So I guess that's how Wisconsin plays football, 
And if Ohio State gets lured into that, then, you know, don't look into the eyes of the Badger. You could wind up in a game like that where, it, you know, it makes it a little difficult for you to come out and, and, and win the contest. So uh, my only concern for Ohio State is you've not had to really be in a battle. Um, you went and played Oklahoma, so there was some feelings going into that game, but you've not been you've not been in a situation where you might lose a football game. And so, how would this group react? That's that's uh, I, mean, I guess I'm trying to do the network's yeah. job here and boost this game up. I guess that's what I'm no, doing. No, I know, no, I know, I understand what you're saying. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not sitting here saying there's no way Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin could win the game. I'm just saying I would be. Kind of surprised. I just think Ohio. I think this is a really, really good Ohio State team this year. Really good. So yeah, no, no doubt about it. And they're going to have to, uh, you know, they're going to have the opportunity to show that um, in this contest against, well, you know, a team that people respect. I don't, I don't know if they're overjoyed with Wisconsin, but it is a team that they, you know, that people respect. And it, this game is on the road, so I want, you know, I also want to throw that in there as well. Uh, Missouri and Florida, we'll talk about. Uh, you know, Florida got an unexpected bye week last week. They're back in here against a Missouri team that could throw the ball around. You usually, uh, you usually make a pick on a Florida game. I don't. Um, I don't know how. To, I don't know how to gauge this team just because of how bad their offense is sometimes. Yeah, they do get Luke Del Rio back. He's been gone. He's missed the last two weeks, and, you know, those last two weeks have been up and down offensively. They had a really good first half offensively against Tennessee, and then uh, for the last six quarters they've been very pedestrian. So I know uh, they're happy to get Del Rio back and see what he looks like. You know, you do want to get Del Rio into, you know, a hotly contested game. I don't know if Missouri will be that. It can be, but, you know, we'll just have to see. How about Can I ask you something? Right? You you obviously watch Florida very closely for for obvious reasons. If you were going to put your finger on it, what would you say is the reason their offense is not what you would expect at a school like Florida? For me, I can tell you that what I what I think is the issue seems to be the offensive line play. But maybe I'm mistaken. I just I don't see them getting much push up front. There isn't much. Uh, I mean, there isn't a simple answer to this question, and it would be hard for me to answer that without going back into some history. Your last staff that you had there was absolutely outstanding in recruiting defensive talent. They're probably second to none in doing that. As good as they were in recruiting recruiting defensive talent, they were as bad recruiting offensive talent. So the cupboard is bare there. So you know you've had. You know, McIlwain had to come in here and, and, and just about replace everything. Had to get an offensive line, had to get running backs, had to get quarterbacks, had to get wide receivers. So slowly but surely he's repairing that side of the football. You got a bunch of young wide receivers in this last recruiting class that look like they're going to be great in the future. You got yourself a quarterback. It seems like, you know, the jury's still out. But you got yourself a quarterback that is at least better than what you had going on towards the end of the season last year. You've got a couple of good young running backs. And now it's the offensive line that you've got to really focus in on that. And you've got a new system. So it's slowly but surely things are getting rebuilt over there. In the meantime, they're fortunate enough to have a defense that is getting the job done there. So it's allowed you to win some football games. But that rebuilding that thing, uh, it was so bad, it's just not going to happen overnight for them. So slowly but surely they'll, yeah. they'll get it right. I'll tell you what, next year, though, Florida's offense 
Um, I expect to be good. It's going to have to be good because you're going to be totally uh, relying on young players on the defensive side of the ball. So that's what you have there. How about this, Amal? You remember we did our predictions show um, earlier in the year, and there's just absolutely no way you and I thought in week seven of the college football season that this game would be a matchup of two unranked football teams. But Stanford is traveling to take on Notre Dame. Neither one of these teams are ranked. There's no way in hell you could have told me that that would have been the case. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I was going to tell you, I don't recall he's that He's a man show. of many words, folks. I was going to say, I don't recall that show. I don't like to... I don't like to recall when I'm wrong. I put you know Notre Dame in the college football playoff, for God's sakes, um, and they've done everything each week to just make me painfully regret doing so. Um, I had Stanford winning their division of the Pac-12. Doesn't look like either one of those things. Well, one of those things is dead for sure, and that's Notre Dame's not going to sniff. Uh, they'd be lucky to sniff the top 25 when this is all said and done. They could take a lot. Oh, lot no, they'll sniff it. They won't be able to find it with a flashlight. Are you kidding me? They're 2-4. and four. I know they get ranked even when they feel the team, but, I mean, come they on. they got to run the table <laughs> here. they got to run the table here, and it starts this weekend. I do, for some reason, Amol, maybe it's just me trying to still make good on, on my silly prediction earlier this year, but uh, I do like them in this game as a three-point favorite. Uh. I, I, if you made me, and this I mean this, because uh, this game actually will probably be interesting to watch because they're kind of equally matched, but um, I would probably take Stanford for one reason. Other than that, you know, the last couple weeks, which is un-Stanford-like, typically their defense shows up, and the thing with Notre Dame is I don't think Stanford's offense is anything to write home about, especially when you remove McCaffrey, but I think Notre Dame's defense is so bad that even a, a, an average offense can exploit it. I mean, you look at the Notre Dame scores and just pull out the hurricane game last week. That doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They gave up 33 to Syracuse, 38 to Duke, 36 to Michigan State. Now go look at those three teams I just named and look at their other games they played. I mean, they're not offensive juggernauts there. Yeah, so, um, it, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous what's happened on defense and then you got rid of brian van gorder and and, then you still were bad on defense so you know it's just the whole culture there uh for some reason though amel call me crazy i just feel like Notre dame comes out of this one a winner listen there isn't a whole bunch of games out here for us to talk about in college football so why go on and on and you know start talking about games in the in the mac conference or the WAC conference we're not going to do that we're going to devote a little bit more time to the nfl so we're going to take a break when we get back amel and i come at you with some uh, nfl previews but we are also going to have our fan duel fantasy focus look uh, look and see if we can come up with a little bit more points than we did last week stay tuned we'll be right back right after this Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. 
FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen-printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. You all may be taking the week off, all right, this week, but I'm not. We made a B on the midterm. So we're going to take a week off and get a D? Just like all the rest of you people out there, on paper, we should beat Mississippi State. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you what. A lot of people take a lot of things for granted, and I get asked questions like, well, how important is it for the, the young guys to get to play this week? Well, how in the hell do you know they're going to get to play? You know, everybody's got such a high expectation for what our team should be. It really doesn't matter what you think. I mean, what makes you think that you can just assume that they're going to get to play? because you're assuming that the other team is not very good? Because we have a tendency to think that way around here. Instead of just kicking people's ass like you're supposed to and working to do it. All right, so when you ask me those kind of questions, it really pisses me off. And it really, sort of, if you want to know the truth about it, pisses me off when I talk to people that have this expectation, like they're disappointed that we only won the game 14-13. You all don't remember the Georgia Amal, I think you know who we just listened to there. <laughs> I find no. the press conferences. No. Who? Oh man, that's the best of Nick Saban. You gotta love that. Nick Saban gets after. Oh, was that was that was that a couple of years ago? What, oh, it's a conglomeration. 
a conglomeration of uh, some things he's had to say in some press conferences. Quite a few of those clips, though, uh, were from a game. Uh, I forgot who they were playing. Some lesser opponent, and folks went to assuming that they were going to blow been Arkansas, them out. The 14-13 game, I think he was he was referring to. My favorite Nick Saban moment was was either last year or the year before one of the national championship uh, uh, semifinal press conferences when he pulled the Pepsi bottle out. And he said, oh yeah, tell, ask the coke can. Yeah, ask the coke can. Yeah, yeah. I, li- uh, I like listen. when he does that. See, I actually like Nick Saban. I think he's very funny. Yeah, uh, I know, and I think he's got a career in uh, television after this. I think it's something he wants to do. Something I think that he'll be good at. Listen, there are three people that do press conferences as coaches, and as me, the coach, I can appreciate the way that they approach these things. Um, but there are three guys that have done press conferences that I really enjoy listening to, and they are all related. It's Bill Parcells, it's Nick Saban, and it's Bill Belichick. Love to watch those dudes in press conferences. It's just oh, gold yeah. every time. So, um, you know, the best, love By that. the way, the best of, them all, of all of them was the, 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 the father of all of them was Parcells. Parcells would toy with them. And he had a glib side, and he had a side of him that was actually funny and and where he could be engaging. But I mean, there was just he, the the whole press conference. He controlled and took all the oxygen out of the room. He was just so much fun to watch him. He was like a cat when it finds a mouse and it doesn't quite want to kill it yet, so it plays with it a little bit. <laughs> it's not lost on me, and it shouldn't be on you or anyone else. You know, that's you know conscious that all three of those guys um, coach together. And that, you know, one led to the other led to the other and that they all have the same philosophy on dealing with the media. And that's one. When we talk in the media, we're also talking to our team because our team's going to hear this. And two, you've got to put a clamp on the media or they'll run them up. They'll run wild um, and have your team and their fan base thinking in a way that they shouldn't that leads to losses. So it's not lost on them that the media is part of uh, motivating and controlling the thoughts of your team. Yeah, it's almost so, like it's almost like communist China or something like that. I like that. Yeah, that's exactly how uh, how that works. We will All control right. the message. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You got to, man. You got to. So call them commies, but that's uh, that's what they are, and they've done a great job at it. Oh, and by the way, extremely three of the more most successful coaches this game has ever known, and uh, handling the media is a big part of what it is that they do. All right. Um, keeping in tune with our, you know, uh, our theme here today. We don't know when you're leaving, so let's kind of get this fantasy focus thing out of the way, and then we'll talk about uh, some of the better NFL games that are going to be upon us this weekend. Uh, last week, a little bit of a disaster. We we couldn't put up uh, very many points in this game. I put up 16.5 points out of the three team out of the three players that I came up with. You came up with 21.9 points to win last week. You're one and zero. I'm and one. Um, just to review, uh, go ahead and tell the, the folks out there what what the rules are to this thing. Well, you and I pick three players. We use a quarterback, a running back, and a wide receiver. We stay within. Uh, we we are allowed to spend on average about seven million dollars per player. We add up the points when we're done, and we see who wins. So you know what we're trying to do is well, not seven. We, not seven million. Uh, we're going by, and this is sponsored by FanDuel, so it's seven thousand. Dollars per player in total. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Total. Yeah, I've called it a million. Seven thousand per player, twenty-one thousand. And what you know, at the end of the day, what it forces us to do is we have to give you a couple picks off the beaten path. We can't just say, "Hey, uh, Tom Brady's playing this week. Grab him." I mean, we could, but he's probably got what an eleven thousand dollars salary on him or something like that. 
No, you'd have to put me in it. Way up there because they're just loving. They're just loving. Yeah, you'd have to put me in as your wide receiver if you want to make a team at that point. So uh, let me roll out my three first. You can tell me if I've stayed within the rules since I don't have the salaries in front of me. I feel like I have just by the nature of the first two. Uh, I'm going to spend my money this week on a wide receiver. Um, Oh, you are. Okay, God bless you on that. Yeah. My quarterback, I'm going to – kind of go on a guy who's not very popular right now, but I, I like I like the matchup for him this week. I'm going to take Osweiler down in Houston. Oh, are we? Yes, Man, I, we're am. Throwing, I am. We're throwing them dice on the table right now. Uh, and by the way, Brock Osweiler at, uh, at FanDuel is going to cost you 6900 this week. Right. I'm going to take Brock because I look at that matchup. The Colts are not real interested this year in playing much pass defense or pressuring quarterbacks. And Osweiler strikes me as a guy who, at the end of the year, his statistics will be decent because games like this, he will run them up. Yeah, the games against the Patriots and teams like that, you don't want Brock. Denver, uh, no, forget about it, okay? But when he's playing the Colts, okay, they're just going to pitch the ball over the yard. Hopkins will get some catches. Everybody will be padding their stats this week in that game for Houston, in my opinion. So I'm going to take Osweiler. Then okay. I'm going to I'm going to roll with the running back uh, that, again, isn't going to cost me a ton of money, but I have a feeling this is a nice matchup for things he does. I'm going to take mm-hmm. Spencer Ware from the Kansas City Chiefs. That's Spencer Ware was someone I thought about this week. Okay. So he's going to cost you. He's going to cost you five point seven k. I guess we're opening up, um, you know, some salary here for this big time wide receiver. I'm smelling Antonio yes, Brown. Yes, yes. Uh, he's going to cost me five point seven k. I like. I like the fact that the Raiders seem completely disinterested in any form of defense this year. Ware can catch the ball for you. He can run the ball. They like to give him the ball up close. You know, let him let him pound it in there. Uh, I just like that matchup for him. I think the Raiders are just going to be a team this year. It's going to be very entertaining. They like playing offense, and defense is something they have to do every once in a while. They don't seem like they concentrate too much. So let's go Spencer Ware. And then finally, I'm going to take one crazy-ass wide receiver named Odell Beckham. Oh, how about that? Yes, at some point. You know, this guy's lost a fight with a kicker's net. Um question is toughness yeah new canada this at some point this dude has to go off okay there's he's home this week the the ravens are rolling in the ravens are kind of coming back to earth a little bit i know they play some pretty good defense but early in the year we were kind of scratching our heads there winning every close game now that's kind of flipped i have a feeling the giants are going to want to get that stink off of them because they've been on quite the, the the roll here three in a row i think they've lost they're home. I have a feeling that Beckham wants to get that stink off him. This just feels like one of these days where you turn your TV and Beckham is going crazy. So I'm going to use Odell Beckham Jr. Good. And for the, the relevance here, uh, Odell Beckham at FanDuel is going to cost you $8,300. So you do indeed uh, come under the 21000 that is allowed as you come in with twenty. Point nine k on that. So good job by you there. You know, playing within the rules is all good accountants do. Isn't that right, there, Mr. That's Amos right. Alameda? I, I, I right. left very little salary uh, for uh, unused, didn't I? Now. Yeah. Well, there you go. You uh, you took it all the way to the end. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend my money this weekend on a quarterback. You kind of need those in this league, as they say, it's a quarterback-driven league. And there's a quarterback that can really pile up. 
the uh, yards, the touchdowns, and all that, and they're playing a team that's having a hard time with pass defense. And that is Ben Roethlisberger coming down here to play the Miami Dolphins. I've watched this week after week. Dolphins can't cover anyone. They can't cover their own rear end. They can't cover a point spread. And they won't be able to cover Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, uh, and anyone else that lines up um, to catch passes for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I feel pretty good taking um, – one Ben Roethlisberger in as my quarterback this week in the fantasy football focus by fans. Oh yeah, I like 80, that one. Yeah, eighty seven hundred it's gonna cost you at FanDuel, so put me down for that. So since I've gone big time on my quarterback, that means I've gotta find some value elsewhere. And you know what? I'm gonna find this little undercover value for you here. You know, the Seattle Seahawks lost their running back last year. He went through his tied together shoes over a line and said he was out. And that's just the way Marshawn Lynch goes about. And since he's been gone, it's been a little bit of, uh, you know, a committee there figuring out who the heck's going to be the next guy for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Kind of under the nose of everyone, the Seattle Seahawks went and signed C.J. Spiller a couple weeks ago, um, got inserted rather quickly, didn't really know much of the playbook, and you showed a little bit of something a couple of weeks ago. Well, he's had some time to acquaint himself with the offense, and what's the one thing the Seattle Seahawks have been missing for quite some time offensively? And that's an explosive player, and that's what C.J. Spiller is. I think with a couple of weeks here now to kind of figure out what's going on in the playbook, I think Spiller can have a bigger role for the Seattle Seahawks against the Atlanta Falcons, who are tired, um, not really big on defense. I think Spiller can be a factor in this game, and I get him cheap right now uh, at 5K. So I'm going to take C.J. Spiller of the Seahawks as my running back. And then I'm going to jump on a guy that you wanted to take last week um, that I'm going to take this week. You say the Oakland Raiders are entertaining. They like to roll up some points. Um, I feel like the Oakland Raiders might find themselves behind in this game against Kansas City. That means they're going to have to put the ball in the air. And, you know, um, I think you've you got to always try and figure out which one of these receivers are going to go off. There's a chance that both of them could go off in this game. But I think Michael Crabtree is the one this week. Um, you know, he he kind of took a step back last week. I think this week is his week uh, to go off and put up some numbers. He's been pretty solid this season, and, you know, Carr seems to have a good relationship with So you're saying that this Craig. is a week that, that the listeners would, would enjoy having crabs. Uh, there you go. If we're on that theme, which I, I guess we're on today, um, yes, go ahead and get your crabs with Mr. Crabtree. He's only going to cost you 7K. So that puts my, all be told, my quarterback, my running back, and my wide receiver is going to cost you a total of 20.7K. And I think I'm beating you this week, my friend. I think I got you here. Um, just oh, you sit something. there and watch. Osweiler <laughs> will justify that salary for a week. You watch. If that if that tall bird comes up with more points than Roethlisberger against the Miami Dolphins, I just don't know what to say about myself. You know what I so that, see the Steelers doing? You're going to go down to Ocean Drive there on Saturday night, and they're going to be partying, having those paellas, you know, eating eating like, like Vikings, <laughs> drinking, and then they're going to show up at Sun Life. Is it still Sun Life Stadium? Oh, no, it's been given over to the Indians, uh, the uh, okay. Hard Rock Casino. There you go. Okay, they're going to show at the Hard Rock or whatever the hell they call it these days, and they're going to burp and belch, and the Dolphins might even play them close this week. Well, you know, if the Dolphins are winning, that means the the the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are throwing the ball around. So there you go. Either way, I win on this one. All right, nevertheless, uh, real quick, let's just talk about some of the games that we've got going on in the NFL this weekend that are worthy of talking about. We already touched on some in, uh, in 
you know, our preview or actually our predictions. The Steelers are taking on the Dolphins, Emil. The Steelers are seven and a half point favorites. Do you think they're good for it, or is this just too high of a number here? Dolphins got to win. Uh, it's hard to say because we saw what Tennessee went in and did to Miami last week. But you know how you ever get a feeling about a game where I think a lot of the, as, as they call them in Vegas, the squares. We'll, we'll jump the Steelers' bones in this game because the Steelers, after getting throttled by the Eagles, uh, have just come out and opened cans on people the last couple weeks. And mm-hmm. you know you're going to look you're going to look at a game like Miami coming off loss to Tennessee at home, and I, the, the line is just like you know it's seven. It's kind of inviting you to take the Steelers for some reason, and I could be crazy too, like you with your Browns pick. Mm-hmm. I just have a feeling the Steelers aren't into this game that much. They have New England next week. And even professionals tend to look ahead and skip a game like this as as they look for, you know, like a, a big, you know, monumental showdown with the Patriots in Pittsburgh. I just have a feeling hey, they might hey, treat this I hear all that. I don't trust the Miami Dolphins, my friend. I just don't trust the Dolphins at all. So And rightfully um, so. They've given us nothing yeah. to trust. I mean, seeing what they did against the Browns and the Tennessee Titans just really totally. And, you know, I'm a guy that likes to take points. I just – can't be on board with that. Uh, yeah, I didn't. You know, I'm surprised you didn't touch this one. Eagles and the Redskins, and the Eagles are road favorites in this contest. That's one of those games where the line looks a little wacky and makes you want to say, maybe you do take the Eagles here in this contest. And that's why I wanted to make the Redskins a pick, but you just hit the nail on the head. It's funny, you and I have been doing this so long, we think alike. I sit mm-hmm. there and I say to myself, last week the whole genesis and reason I went with the Lions and held my breath was, I didn't think the Eagles were, at this stage, worthy of being a three-point road favorite. Sure enough, the the Eagles were never going to cover that game. They ended up losing outright. And then you look the next week, they're playing a Redskins team on a three-game winning streak. And their only losses to the Steelers and Cowboys, two of the better teams in the league thus far. And yet, they're installed as a home underdog against an Eagle team coming off a lost second straight road game. It makes you say to yourself, hmm. Doesn't seem yeah. Well, like one of those one good. of those yeah, yeah one of those lines that make you do that. I heard your Bengals Patriots pick. I'm gonna let you know right now. I'm totally spooked by Brady. I'm just letting you know that right now because again, I'm a guy that likes to take points. Um, the Bengals are a good football team. Getting eight of them, I don't. You know, the Bengals just are too good to slide to two and four. But I am totally spooked by Thomas Brady um, and just his whole mindset and the team's whole mindset that it just didn't allow me to grab all those points. I'm just really I, scared of that just, guy going. Let me off. just expound on this a little bit. I, this to me is more of where a team people forget. This is you know when you go from college to pros and you're handicapping. You know this, but a lot of people don't think about it. The the points are not the same. Like in college, you can lay nine points with a good team, and it's like they could burp and cover it in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Pros, nine points is a bundle of points, and people forget that, you know, it's they're all professionals. And I know what New England's going to do to people, and I know they've been been excellent. But, you know, he did beat up Cleveland last week. Yes, he's possessed. They have Pittsburgh next week. Uh, that might decide, could decide eventually home fields in the AFC. You look at the the, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. They've played a brutal schedule out of the gate. The only breathing room in that schedule was the Miami game. The Jets were a road game to open the year. And we let's face it, the Jets haven't played to expectations. It was a tough game. They followed it up with another road game against Pittsburgh. Then then they played Denver at home and lost. And Denver, you know, still the defending champs. And Dallas, like I said last week, the Cowboys do some things that I think New England doesn't do that would give Cincinnati more problems. Cincinnati's front four is difficult to block. Well, Dallas has the best line in the league, so that neutralizes it. New England's not that team. 
I, 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 I think New England listen, man, will, I hear will win. all of this. This is great logic. Um, it would be awesome. It'd be a slam dunk if this was a math textbook that we we're printing up here. I would say, go ahead, print it up. We got a winner there. I am totally Halloween, October 31st, spooked of Tom Brady. Last thing I want to touch on, man, before I let you go out of here. We're getting the Colts and the Texans on Sunday night. What gives? What's up with that? What are they doing? NFL football. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe they figure why waste. I'm being serious. You know, people are going to laugh at me here. Maybe they figure why waste a good game and and go head up with the baseball playoffs because this year going into the playoffs they had a pretty good field. You didn't have any of those teams like you, as you said in a text to me this morning. Apologies, but you didn't have the Rockies or the Tampa Rays this year. You had a lot of big boys. You know, Dodgers, Cubs, uh, uh, Giants were in the playoffs. Uh, you know, all, all these teams that, that 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 draw pretty decent ratings, and maybe the NFL just just looked and said, you know what? Why are we wasting our time if we go into uh, go head up against the baseball playoffs before the year started? Obviously, yeah, that's know who's a be that's an ugly playoffs. Sunday night game there. Uh, yeah, NFL, but you know what? Maybe no. they, they maybe they reconsidered and said, listen, we're going to be going up against baseball playoffs. Yes, we'll beat them, but why should we drag down our ratings at all? And waste great games during that time of the year. I don't know. It's the only thing I can. Yeah, think they're of also losing to Trump. They're also losing to Trump quite a bit. All right, Amo, we got to wrap things up here. But before we go, we got to bring on my man Les here. He's got some things he wants to tell us. Um, is he talking about Michigan State football? Is he going to try and convince us that the Lions are uh, a playoff football team? I don't know what he's got on his mind. But here he is, Les. What's going on, man? What's that, man? How y'all morning going? We're doing Good. How all, you doing, We're Les? doing all right, my friend. We're doing all right. What do you got on your mind? You know, we're 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 running up against it here. What what do you got for us today? Uh man, um I look for the I look for an exciting week this week. Um I like the uh, I like the Steelers uh against the Chiefs. Um, the Steelers aren't playing the Chiefs. Play. That'd be good if they were, but they're playing the Dolphins, the local oh, the Dolphins. guys. They, but they did beat them two weeks ago, so that's a hell of a pick. Congratulations, <laughs> you won. Right, 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 right. My bad, my bad. I'm, I'm, I'm still asleep. Um, the Dolphins, right? Les is in yeah. Arizona for anybody who doesn't it, listen to the show. Yeah, he's and in the Dolphins Arizona are still, so. as of as of now, are still in the NFL. So, yes. Yes, that's a shame. Anyway, uh, unfortunately, stuff like that happens. Um, so what I'm gonna do this week? I'm a I'm a wait a minute, man, where am I? I'm a, you gotta write them on oh your hand, God. man. Man, you know what? I don't even have my picks in front of me now. <laughs> it happens. Les, to the best you know what? I, I have to tell the audience, Les is like a workout fiend. So anybody who's listening and thinks that that Les is on crack and calling us, that's not the case. Okay. He may have rode him on his hand and hit that good sweat workout today, and it sweat off. You know, who knows what happened there? (laughs) Hey, Les, um, there'll be a FedEx package coming for for you uh, tomorrow. Special delivery. I know you want it. Your Trump sign for the front yard. Ooh, yes. Please take pictures. Yeah, I I I was standing there proudly (laughs) while it's on fire. Uh, There you go. There you go, my man. All right, listen. Um, let's talk about one of your teams here, the Lions, man. What's up with your What's up with your Lions, man? Uh, what do you What do you What do you think of your Lions so far? And can they beat the Los Angeles? Yes, the Los Angeles Rams on uh, Sunday. Um, well, they're playing at home, so I'm, yes, I'm they are. Stay positive. I'm gonna stay positive. Uh, they had a, la- a good game last week. Um, 
It's taking some time to get healthy, um, get some guys back on the field. Uh, I look for Anquan Bolden to have a good year, a uh, good game this week. Uh, I look for jo- Jones to come back and have a good game this week. Um, so I look forward to the Lions win. I, and I the Lions are going to beat Bolden. the Rams, huh? Yes, I think they should beat the Rams. Um, I think whoever plays Pittsburgh Steelers this week, I think Pittsburgh is still, um, I mean, the Dolphins are just not ready. So I, I'm going to go with the Steelers. And I mean, then, there's uh, evidence the to game. support that the Dolphins are not ready. Uh, one and four. Not ready? Are you talking West? Wait, you're talking not ready for the NFL or the SEC West division? I mean, <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely have demonstrated they're not ready for the NFL. Either or, ever since they took the um, ever since they took our big D tackle out of Detroit, they haven't been what I thought they would be. Um, yeah, and the other game, yeah, if you think if you I think like, that's where that started, you're you've just not been paying attention. The problems were there long before that, my friend. He may have exaggerated. Oh, well, I know. Them. Trust, trust me, trust me. I know. I got several guys that I I trained over there: Deion Sims, Tony Lippett, and uh, it's not good. It's not good. A good thing. Uh, also. Um, I got a surprise, man. I think I think Atlanta is a serious team again. So I'm and gonna, so I'm all gonna right. That's the last thing we're gonna because you dropped this little bombshell on us. You think the Falcons are uh, gonna beat the Seahawks this weekend? Is that what you're alluding to here? Bingo. There you go. Well, I'm gonna just leave Brad, it at that, my before friend. Before you go, wait. I, let me tell him a story about that whole Falcons thing. Last year at this time, we used to have Warren Sapp on the show every Tuesday. And the Falcons, they were 5-0 and last year. And he asked me if I thought they were a real team. And I forget, I think my answer was, well, they must be. They're 5-0. and He said, you come see me at Thanksgiving and let me know how the Falcons are doing. And we know how that story ended up. Well, yeah, well there you go. Team. That was last year's team on a different coach. Um, honestly, I feel this year they picked it up. Um, they got They got a nucleus of players who – uh, all about themselves. I think they're all about the team. And uh, Julio Jones has shown that, and the running back has shown that. And I mean, Matt. Matt seems like he's uh, picking up his game a little bit. I mean, everybody was. Well, we'll just have to. Matt. We'll just have to tune in on Sunday and see if that is the case. You guys have made that game a lot more interesting. All right, Les, I got to let you go. Uh, Amos got to run. I've got to talk a little bit of uh, some Gators football here coming up, fellas. So I appreciate. Uh, appreciate you calling as always, Les. Hey man, have a good one, man. All Take right. care, All Les. Right. All right, Emil, I got to shove you out the door too. Time to talk about the big three here in the state of Florida, and that's Florida, Miami, and Florida State. So listen, you have a great we'll weekend. We'll catch you on Monday. Everybody have go a good Dodger weekend. Go Dodger Blue for you. Yes, Dodger there Blue. You go. Goodbye. All right, Amos out of here. We're going to take a quick break. When I get back, Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com joins me here to talk Gators football on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be right back right after this. Oh, child, oh, child. But I'm piped up. See that boy right? Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 
and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! Eleven twelve here on the East Coast on a football Friday edition of the Gridiron Studs Show. And it's uh we've just hit a little bit of uh college and NFL football. We're not done with college football. Gotta talk about the big three here in the state of Florida and first up here on this football Friday edition is the Florida Gators with a little bit of news uh going down yesterday. Uh I don't know how people feel about it, but you know, nevertheless it's been done. The uh, LSU Tigers get what they want. They're going to get the Florida Gators, and they're going to get them in Baton Rouge. And here to talk about that on the show today, among some other things, Florida Gators, is Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. Nick, how you doing? Doing well. Uh, glad that we don't have to uh, keep arguing about who's afraid to play football uh, against who, and we can just play the game. Oh, just one big box of Kleenex was uh, issued to the whole state of Tennessee and Knoxville, to be specific, yesterday when it was announced that the Gators will take on LSU and do so in Baton Rouge, by the way. Uh, I guess everything's just okay in Tennessee land. I've never seen a more whiny bunch than Tennessee volunteer fans on social media. Uh, They have a lot to worry about with their own team in their own stadium this week with Alabama coming in, they shouldn't be worried about uh, who Florida's playing or may not be playing. But I think the interesting thing about the game is I asked Jeremy Foley about it on Thursday. Is this just a, a regular home game? Cause there were obviously negotiations. Florida says the game won't be played uh, any later than two thirty central time. Um, mm-hmm. So there were definitely negotiations going on. So I asked, is this just a home game? Can, can LSU host recruits? Cause that's, for, for Florida, that's a big deal. Florida's home games hmm. this year, UMass, Kentucky, North Texas, Missouri, and South Carolina. Which, which game are you, are you trying to get that blue chip recruit to come in to see? Not, not any one yeah, of those. Yeah, so how does, how does that whole thing work? It, it's an LSU home game. LSU, LSU will take, you know, uh, all the ticket revenue. They're figuring out, um, you know, ticket situations between, you know, if you had a ticket for South Alabama that weekend, you can come in. They're trying to figure it out, but it's, it's just a, an LSU home game. And Florida agreed to get LSU at home next year, 2017. That, that game's supposed to be played in Baton Rouge. And then the series will resume, uh, you know, its normal rotation in 2018, still in Gainesville. So Florida will get back-to-back games in Gainesville to kind of make up for it. It gives Florida a great 2017 home schedule, uh, but it, it's not going to help you this year. No, not at all. Um, and then, so let's talk about uh, you know uh, the part of it that that Florida gets made up on. So Florida's losing a home game. Obviously, there's some revenue lost there. How do they get that revenue back? Well, Florida loses one home game in 
theory, but they'll lose two home games worth of ticket sales. So that's estimated to be around seven and a half, seven point eight million dollars just in tickets from those two games. The SEC has an umbrella insurance policy that covers all of the football and basketball programs in a situation like this. So Florida, under the SEC's insurance policy, Florida will recoup that money um, for for lost tickets. Uh, But you really can't say, what does it do to the Gainesville economy? Um, Mm -hmm. The SEC is not giving, you know, the swamp bar and restaurant across the street. They're not going to give them. Hey, hey, what, what do you think you asked? What, what, what's your estimate of what you lost with LSU not coming in? Okay, here's a check. Um, so it, it hurts the Gainesville economy, and that's kind of uh, what Joe Oliva's argument of not wanting to, once the game was postponed, not wanting to lose a home game. We don't want to hurt the Baton Rouge economy. Uh, so, so obviously, so, is, not to not to cut you off here. So obviously, mm-hmm. if you just look at this at the surface, um, this is a, a loss, so to speak. For Florida ahead of playing the game, um, so why why did this happen? Why did they agree to do this? What was the motivation for Florida to uh, make this arrangement? Uh, to me, it's pretty clear. Florida has you can't go, you can't represent uh, your division and go to the SEC championship game unless you play a full slate of eight conference games. Mm-hmm. LSU doesn't have to worry about that. Their schedule is going to take care of that for them. They still have to play Ole Miss. A&M, Arkansas, and Alabama, they're not going to be representing the West. Florida has a realistic shot of representing the East and going to Atlanta, and they couldn't do that without a game. So I think LSU – So are you telling me are – you, are you telling me, Nick, that LSU's mindset was, it, although we only have one loss in the conference as it stands right now, we don't have a realistic chance of representing the West in the SEC championship game. So we're going to balk at – just about every suggestion that's made short of us having the game at home. Is this what you're telling me? To, to me, a, a school that fires their coach four games into the season, a coach who had been there for a decade and averaged 10 wins a year. Yeah. You're not, you don't have a chance. So, so when mm-hmm. the, the game is postponed, the commissioner can't force either team to play that game. They have to come to an agreement. If the only downside is, Hey, if you don't, if you only play seven SEC games, you can't go to Atlanta. <laughs> we have to play Alabama, A and M, two undefeated teams. We play Arkansas. We're probably not going there anyway. So we're not going to bend over backwards to help Florida reschedule this game. If they want to reschedule, it's going to be on our terms. So correct me if I'm it, it wrong. It seems to me. Seems... It seems to me like the only, the only downside of not playing this game, other than maybe lost revenue, would be you can't go to Atlanta. And one of those, one of the two teams that had to reschedule the game, in my mind, has, does not have a realistic shot of getting there anyway. So, um, you know, it seems to me that you know maybe maybe my 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 timeline, who I follow or whatever, may be set up this way. But it seemed like the majority of the scared to play the game talk was directed towards Florida, when in mm-hmm. fact it should have been directed at LSU. And could you tell me the reasons why that would have gone that way? Well, I don't think football players are scared to play football ever. Um, but mm-hmm. people are talking about Luke Lutero would have played last week. Um, mm-hmm. would, would Leonard Fournette have played last week? He's not going to play this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, you still have guys. That, I, I don't think anyone was afraid to play this football game. I just think once it got postponed, LSU saw an opportunity to, you know, uh, you know, like a child, sit down 
crisscross applesauce, arms folded, mm. and throw a little tantrum mm. until they got their toy. Yeah, uh, kind of makes you, if you're the Florida Gators, want to go out there and really uh, open up a first kit, uh, first aid kit on those guys when you go to Baton Rouge. But mm-hmm. first things first, there is a game this weekend. It is Missouri. Uh, now, Missouri, the last time we saw Missouri, I, I, be, I believe they were getting their rear ends totally kicked uh, by this LSU team, unless I missed something last week, and I, you know, there's a chance I could have, but not a very good football. They, they, team. they had a they had a bye week to think about what just happened. Yeah, so there you go. The last time they were on the football field, they were getting completely mashed. They lost 42 to seven in Missouri. Um, are we expecting the same thing for Florida here? What, what's your outlook on the on the contest against Missouri? Uh, Missouri hasn't been able really to run the ball. Um, they've got a good quarterback. He's young, but 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 I think he has a good, uh, bright future in Drew Locke. They're the number one, the SEC's number one passing offense. Mm-hmm. Quincy Wilson said it against Kentucky. Jalen Tabor kind of echoed that this week. We like mm-hmm. teams that throw the ball. We, we right. think that plays into our strength. Spoken Jaylen like true Tabor cornerbacks, said, by the way. <clears throat> Jalen Tabor said this is the kind of game where you go out and make yourself some money. Um, mm-hmm. So... Missouri's going to try to throw the ball. Florida should be able to stop the run. And I think if you get into a situation where Drew Locke starts pressing, then maybe they're down 10, down 14, starts pressing, maybe starts to fit. He's got some of that Brett Favre gunslinger in him where there's Mm -hmm. no throw on the football field that Drew Locke doesn't think he can make. There's no window that's too small that he can't fit it into. And Florida Mm -hmm. has a secondary that's going to make you you second-guess yourself after a couple of interceptions. Uh, I, I, to me, I need. I'm looking more for Florida's offense. The, the spread. Right. I think that's, half, that's what I wanted to focus mm-hmm. on here. We, you know, Florida's defense gets all of the notoriety. It's been a strong unit for all of one half of this season. Um, what What can Florida's offense get done against Missouri? I, I need to see. So Luke Del Rio is going to get the start, and I think the biggest thing we've talked about is that the offense had to create second and third and manageables for Austin Appleby for him to be successful. I think Luke Del Rio does that because players talked about uh, Jordan Scarlett said he picks up stuff that the coaches don't even tell us uh, mm. before the play. He'll, he'll see a blitz that we didn't know about and he'll be able to mm. call that out. I think just the knowledge and the comfortability that he has with the playbook and with what, not just what the offense is trying to do, but how the defense is trying to stop that particular play. I think his mm. grasp of that, gets you that five-yard, you know, dump-off pass on first down. And, and that, that opens the playbook then. So now you're second and right. five instead of second and ten. Um, I, I, I'm, looking for, I'm looking for some playmakers to step up. It can't just be Antonio Callaway. I need to see Tyree Cleveland. I need to see Brandon Powell. Uh, I, I need to see the running back stop rotating, give Jordan Scholar the football. Yeah, what about that? What What do you think is going to happen there? Have you gotten any uh, sense? Uh, has this question been asked directly this week? What do you What do you expect to happen there with the deep rotation that many fans have expressed some uh, you know some disappointment in? Uh, McElwain was asked directly, and he kind of said directly he said we like all of our running backs. So you asked him about Jordan Scarlett specifically, and he says I think he's a guy that can handle the load. A lot of the times mm-hmm. with McElwain, you have to read in between the lines. I still think you're going to have a healthy rotation. Mark Thompson is going to be your goal line back. Jordan Cronkite's going to be your third down back. Uh, to me, I think Michael P. Ryan, the freshman, and Scarlett have been the two best backs. Those would be the guys that I would go to. If you want to use the other two in those situations, 
Sure, but it's tough for a running back to get one carry and then sit out for five plays. And then, okay, hey, it's third and six. You have to go back in. You just yeah. can't get a rhythm. And that's something that Jordan Scarlett said, yeah, it's tough to get into a rhythm, to get a feel. Uh, if I'm in a game for four or five carries in a row, I can start to see what the defensive line is doing, how my offensive line is doing that, start to see holes and things develop better than when I come in cold. And I think that right. affects Florida's running game. Yeah, well, that's certainly, Nick, one of the things that uh, I am going to be watching closely in this game is just what they're doing there at running back because, you know, call me biased, I just feel like um, Jordan Scarlett has looked like the guy that can go ahead and carry the load and be like some of the other SEC running backs that we've seen, like Fournette, like Chubb, like Hurd. I, I just think Florida has that kind of guy there, and it's probably time to – unleash that beast well listen man as always appreciate you coming on and uh, talking to us about gators football as the gators take on missouri on saturday tomorrow at four o'clock appreciate you nick appreciate it have a good one all right nick de la torre from gatorcountry.com for all things gators football and Gators sports go to gatorcountry.com those guys are always on top of it well from the florida gators to the University of Miami, the local team down here in South Florida. I'm going to bring on Brian the Beast London to talk about uh, the University of Miami. And listen, if you've listened to the fan base, and we know how fans are, Beast, um, you would swear that uh, we got blown out by Florida State, uh, when in reality it was a blocked extra point that resulted in a 20-19 to loss. You know, what's, what's up with the fan base? Chad, come on. You you know how we are down here. Uh, you know, Miami, Florida State, uh, it doesn't matter if it's one point or 100 points. It feels like it's 100 points. You never want to lose that game, especially with the streak that Florida State has going. But, uh, you know, you understand the fan base down here as well that the Miami Hurricanes every year, uh, you know, and obviously it's a bit preposterous to think mm-hmm. this way since uh, it hasn't been like this in, I don't know, since I had hair, uh, but, uh, <laughs> which is – which is, you know, Miami loses one game, and now people think the season's over, which you've got to stop thinking like that. Uh, that's been you know, a disappointment to me. I've got to tell you, that's been a, a real disappointment to me because if you're a Canes fan and you've been watching the games, it didn't even, it didn't even matter really about the, the, the record because, yeah, we started off, uh, we started off well uh, last season. And we've started off well this season, but if you're watching the games, you can see that things are different. We're obviously a lot different on defense. I can't say enough about what those three young freshman uh, linebackers are doing. We're just a a better team all the way around. And, yes, we lost to the rival, uh, but you've got to know we're a better football team. Your own two eyes are telling you that. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Listen, just to watch that defense be aggressive, make plays behind the line of scrimmage, just, I mean, I don't even know how many times they hit uh, Francois on Saturday. I'm surprised that, that man, I they get, sent I get a lot of credit. They sent him to the tent twice, and then his yeah, backup I mean, came I, in, and he went to the tent. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i surprised they both stayed in the game. They have, they, they have a lot of moxie, but that defense, just to watch Manny Diaz coach that defense has been so refreshing and amazing considering what the hell we had to put up with for the last five years. Now, listen, sure. the offense, there's questions there. There's questions on the offense. The offensive line I don't think is doing a great job in pass pro. Um, I'll be honest, mm. I'm not sure Mark Richt has found his groove in the play calling yet. Um, I mm. thought they should have run the ball a little bit more with Mark Walton and Joe 
year being the first half against Florida State because it looked like Florida State's defense near the end of the first half was starting to be kind of uh, they were holding their hips, they were looking tired, and it looked like a great time to start pounding the rock and get them mm-hmm. uh, get them exhausted and and go away with that game. But that didn't happen. So listen, there's some things for this team to improve, and I'm gonna tell Kane's fans this. Listen. Uh, Florida State, I understand you wanted to win that game, big game. This game against North Carolina, not only is more important, I think, because it's in the Coastal, but two, mm. North Carolina is really freaking good. Uh, their offense is one of the better ones in the ACC. Uh, their quarterback is one of the better ones in the ACC. Now, their defense leaves a lot to be desired. They're giving up like 426 yards per game. But Miami's offense, again, has not been uh, balls out uh, like it needed to be against Florida State. So, this should be a, a really tough matchup, but Canes fans need to need to put Florida State behind them. Yeah, you wanted to win the big game, but I hate to say this, and it makes me ill, but you want to win the Coastal. You got you got to you got to get to the freaking championship game at least once. Yeah, uh, help me out with this. Um, you know, I know in the SEC, your entire SEC, uh, your games against all SEC opponents count to what you whether or not you get to that championship game or not. So if you're in the SEC East and you lose an SEC West game, um, that's a problem for you in the standings. Is it different in the ACC? Please clarify the ACC, that. Well, obviously, listen, the, you, the, the most important thing, the first factor uh, for winning your division in the ACC is your record against division opponents. So okay. regardless of what Miami does on the other side of the division, if they have the best record against their division opponents, then they go. So that's the most important thing. You've already beaten Georgia Tech. You've got two tough games in a week coming up with a North Carolina team and a Virginia Tech game on the road on a Thursday night. So uh, after this week, I mean, we're going to know whether Miami has a good shot to go to uh, Orlando to play in the ACC championship game or not. It, this, this is the most important week of the season right here. Yeah, uh, and that's another thing that really kind of worried me about the fan base because, you know, I know what North Carolina brings to the table. They're going to bring a wide-open offense. If you watch them against Florida State, they kind of had their way with Florida State's defense. And, yes, Florida State's defense has not been uh, that great this year, but they have played – pretty solid offenses, and North Carolina is one of those offenses. So they could come in here, and they're coming into this game off of a very miserable loss. So they're coming in extremely motivated. If somehow, some way, Miami falls in this game, I just don't know what's going to happen with the fan base. And then you've got another game against a team playing out of their mind right now in, in five days against Virginia Tech. I don't want the wheels to fall off. And you know how we are with getting crowds at Hard Rock. I'm a little concerned. Yeah, no, and you should be. Uh, not not just about the crowd, but listen, one of the uh, trademarks of the Al Golden era was let's lose a game and then have that game beat us for the next five games. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you can't let that happen. I mean, as, as big as the Florida State game was, and I'm telling you, these guys were so pumped up. They wanted to win that game, end the streak. It meant everything to them. But you've got, you got, you got to have a short-term memory and put that behind you because if you let that game uh, beat you uh, for the next two games, well, then, then now your season's done. Now what are you playing for? Uh, you know, a chance to go back to El Paso, and then no one wants that. But here's, here's the difference, though. Okay, so Mark Richt uh, – understands this and he knows the offense didn't play well so what happened this week well one 
he uh, he said it to all the freshmen and a lot of the guys, stop running your mouth to the media. You did that before the Florida State game. It didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Shut up. And two, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't look good in practice this week, uh, certain mm-hmm. days this week. Let's go run it again, boys. You're coming back later. You're coming back after. You're coming back when you don't have to be at class. We're, we're running it until we get it right. So uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of, uh, I would say, extra uh, personal time on the field for mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, because they're limited by hours. But uh, I would say the sure. offense got uh, got their butts handed to them this week, uh, whether it was that, uh, you know, that needs in the official happen, practice you know. or not. Yeah, it, that needs to happen. There has to be some personal accountability, something that was a little bit in question with the last regime. All right, so before I let you go, what's the three big keys to, to beating North Carolina and avoiding uh, you know, the craziness that could happen if you lose back-to-back games in this town? Uh, one, uh, you got you got to get the run game going. You have to get the run game going because what you need to do is have time of possession and also keep uh, North Carolina's offense off the field. If North Carolina's offense is on the field, just continue to play the aggressive defense that you've been playing. Get on, get after Trubinsky and 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 take him down and continue to get to the quarterback. And third thing is is make some X plays, make some X mm-hmm. plays on offense. You know, make some big plays. We, I mean, yes, yeah, Stacy Coley has made a couple of plays, but no one's really stretched the field. They haven't done anything extremely creative on offense. There's no, mm-hmm. uh, listen, not, not that I'm saying that you win games on flea flickers and Statue of Liberties, but let's right. do something a little bit different to have an X play to, to, to catch the other team off guard and mm-hmm. uh, try to get some momentum going in your direction. Yeah, um, shoot, I don't disagree with, with any of that. You probably do need to get just a tad bit more creative. I don't want you to get turned into a total gadget offense. No, uh, because, no, not at all. You know, I like the power that you're bringing. I like the physicality that you're bringing. But, uh, yeah, every now and then, let's let's uh, make give them something to think about. So uh, we'll see. If, if we're able to execute all those things and kind of quiet down, uh, you know, a little bit of a crowd that's getting ruffled up here. Well, listen, Beast, I appreciate you joining me here. You guys got to go follow uh, Brian the Beast London on Twitter, and that's at Miami Radio Beast. Pretty simple one for you to to, to latch on there. I'm on your page right now, <laughs> looking at the picture you have up of a Trump supporter. Um, if you're a male, go jump on that one today. Uh, go check him out <laughs> at, at Miami Radio Beast, man. Uh, Brian, appreciate you joining us here on the show. Anytime, Chad. Thanks a lot, man. All right, thank you. All right, and we're going to round this whole thing off with a little Florida State talk. Once again, they uh, have the pleasure of saying they have triumphed over the University of Miami. Seven (laughs) wins in a row. I'm a friend of Marvin Snoop Minnis on Facebook for now. That's probably going to come to end because he's killing it right now with the uh, with the you know the the Miami streak that he's got going on. The guy goes through a drive-through, orders something that's going to cost seven dollars. Okay, and then he takes out trash cans that have Miami decals on it. That's just how bad Snoop Minnis is going in. How good does Florida State feel uh, after coming down here and defeating their arch nemesis? Safid oh, D, man, by the way, on, from the Orlando <laughs> Sentinel. Sorry, to give you your proper intro. Safid D, I know, man. beat we, writer we start from Florida State. All over again, man. Yeah, right? I got to hit the rewind. Yeah, I, I should play some <laughs> trumpets. Folks, I have Safid Dean. Florida State beat writer for the Orlando Sentinel on with me right now to talk about how great Florida State football is after beating the University of Miami. Can't get any better than that, especially from a king. Oh man, I know, I know that last part hurt. Heard you saying it a little, a little more, man. No, the last yeah, part hurt, man. This team is this team is so confident now, um, and it's it's crazy. This team has gone through such a wind of emotions the last two weeks. 
You know, before mm-hmm. you know, before this Miami win, you know, they they uh, DeAndre Francois scores a touchdown with 23 seconds left, and then uh, North Carolina comes down the field and, and you know gets a pass into their backfield on, on prevent defense and scores a game-winning field goal. You know, and, and just kind of uh, it kind of ripped the ripped everything apart for FSU's like last remaining hopes of trying to reach a college football playoff and trying to compete for the AC title. You know, and now you turn things around and and. You know, Stacey Coley scores another touchdown, um, you know, in that game. Looks like Miami's going to tie it up, and things are going to go to overtime. We're looking at Florida State's defense. Like, it's another, you know, it's another game for them. And sure enough, Demarcus Walker gets gets the block at the Rock. You know, he blocks that, that PAT kick, and, you know, everything just changes for, for Florida State as, as regards to how their season is. You know, some of the players are calling it a turning point. You know, and mm-hmm. it was the defense's best performance of the season. Um, by by you know by by far stretch, but you know they're looking to build off this uh, off this momentum against this Wake Forest team uh, on Saturday. Well, let's talk about this. Um, you know, Florida State won a national title. They reached a mountaintop uh, a couple of years ago. Um, they made it back to the playoffs the next year. Uh, they had a pretty strong season last year. They've got a Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Heisman Trophy winning candidate in the backfield. There have been a lot of great things for Florida State football, but as it stands right now, six games into their 2016 season, um, they're not mathematically eliminated, but it's very slim for them to make it to an ACC championship game, a place that they've been the last few years. So really, what's Florida State playing for in the rest of this season? Well, there's a lot of games left, man. As you know, uh, this is the second week in October. Um, and, and one thing Dalvin Cooks kind of spoke about was, hey, we still got we got we got we got the state to win, you know. Beating Miami was a big win, you know. Beating USF, you know, the the third best, the fourth best team in the state, and then you mm-hmm. get that Florida matchup at the end of the year. And Florida State thinks they could definitely win that one, especially on their home field uh, coming mm-hmm. up. Um, you know, I think uh, winning that state title, you know, like like we, you know, a lot of people clown them for, you know, getting mm-hmm. rings out and stuff like that over the summer. You know, it's still an important goal for them. And oh yeah, too, man. I mean. Let's be honest. They played Louisville a little too early in the season. I think if you gave mm-hmm. this defense some time to gel, like it's gelling right now, they could probably give Louisville not a run for its money, but maybe the score isn't as a as better game as it sure. was a couple weeks ago. Yes, exactly. You know, um, and, and so maybe they give them a contest there. You got Clemson coming up in a couple weeks, and really, I think that's what they're playing for, man. If they can beat Clemson, they're ready. You know, put a hit in, uh, on Miami's coastal division stuff. Um, you know, if they could give the same thing to Clemson and kind of. Uh, you know, derail them from, from uh, you know, their national title run, I think uh, that would be a positive for Florida State. I think that's something they can continue building on. And this defense is really young, man. It's going to be one of the strongest points next season, especially behind mm-hmm. DeAndre Francois. So I think you're definitely playing you're playing a lot more for next season. And uh, it, it's about, it starts with getting the experience now. Yeah, um, and, 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 you know, yeah, youth is a big issue for Florida State on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, well, as we sit here and look at what, what lies ahead, they, now they've got to play spoiler. But I want to talk a little bit about what went on in the Miami game. Everyone fully expected Miami to have one of their better games this season offensively, and that's not exactly what happened there. Uh, so what did Florida State do that you could see or that's been talked about that had them come up with, a, with as strong a defensive performance as they've had all year, probably the best they've had all year? I think the biggest thing, man, I don't think any, a lot of people are talking about this, is, you know, Miami plays a typical pro-style deep offense, pro-style scheme that Jimbo Fisher runs in his own for his own offense, in his own practice that these defenses go up, go up against every day in practice. I think having a familiar a familiar spread, familiar scheme you're going used to going up against really, really helped them 
um, in that sense. You know, Miami didn't. They tried to go a little up-tempo, and they did get some success, um, you know, especially, you know, early in the second half. And even in, in the second quarter, they were getting some set success moving the ball up the field. Kai was doing really well. But, you know, Miami's offense is, is still a work in progress. You know, Kai, uh, I, you know, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the country. Uh, you can't say enough about what that kid has, has – what Miami means to that kid and, and how that portrays, you know, how great of a kid he is, you know. Um, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, if he stays another year in school, there's definitely no reason why he can't, you know, run the table with that offense next season. He's still learning how to run a pro-style scheme and, and really uh, – Rick's pro-style scheme, excuse me. And Miami's mm-hmm. supposed to go up 28 zip in that game if, if, if Brad Kai is really supposed to be an NFL draft pick and, and you know, a top guy in the draft uh, – a, a top prospect in the draft. They're supposed to have a huge lead on Florida State. They're supposed to bury them early. And, you know, Miami just couldn't – wasn't able to do that. DeAndre Francois scored, you know, led two touchdown drives in the third quarter. They got some field goal kicks from their freshman in, in his first taste of the rivalry. And, you know, Florida State was able to escape with with a with a, a really crazy play at the end of the game, you know? Um, yeah. So I think, uh, uh, you know? Yeah, I went, yeah, was a thought there when, when, you know, they got down early and it just looked like, man, it looked like Miami was in a position to run away with this thing and then just something kicked in for Florida State and they, they hung in there and, and battled it out. What, what, what do you think happened there? I think, uh, you know what, I think along the game they kind of realized they saw how much DeAndre Francois was getting hit by Miami's defenders, you know, whether it was a legal play, whether it was after the play, um, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, while he was, uh, you know, throwing a pass or even on the run, you know, Miami was trying to make sure that, you know, DeAndre Francois felt their presence, you know, and I think when Florida State's defense started to saw that their quarterback was getting hit like that, I think it was time for them to realize, like, all right, we got to start, you know, we got to start pushing the football now. We got to start pushing this line. We got to start attacking their quarterback now. Um, I think, you know, especially, uh, you know, Florida State had about at least close to six or six to seven tackles in the backfield. Um, you know, some of those on Kaya. They had a couple sacks in the game, too. I think the biggest, you know, play of the game was uh, obviously Matthew Thomas. Um, you know, him going with the targeting hit on Kaya. I think it was mm-hmm. a hit above the shoulders, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Thomas needs to do a better job of, you know, tackling below and tackling, you know, below the shoulders. But, you know, Brad Kai was changed after that play. I think, you know, they, they got out to a 13-3 lead in halftime. Sure, he got mm-hmm. that touchdown to Coley in that second half, but, you know, Kai was just not the same. Anytime Florida State brought pressure, you know, he was aware of it. He was cognizant of it, and it affected him later on in the game. Not only did he lose his tooth, but, you know, it affected his play, and, and, and that's why I think Florida State defense started to bring its will out and uh, that's what the, the, what they're saying is a turning point now in the season. It's going to be interesting to see if they can truly build on that defensive performance. You know, you got Wake Forest this week. Um, you know, not a, obviously not a big boy in the conference. They are five and one, but you know, I think we know what's behind that. Uh, the true test will come in a couple of weeks when they take on Clemson. So we'll have to see there. Well, listen, Safin, I know you're a busy guy. I appreciate you coming on on the Gridiron Stud Show to talk Florida State football here, even after a win over the local University of Miami. <laughs> Thanks, Chad. I always appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, that's Safin Dean. That is the Seminoles beat writer for the Orlando Sentinel joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Uh, appreciate him coming on and giving his insights on the uh, Florida State Seminoles after they've, uh, you know, come out and got the win last week against the University of Miami. As disappointing as that might be for Miami fans. All right. Uh, it's time for us to take a quick break. When we get back, we are going to talk Florida high school football. A couple of very interesting games going down in the state of Florida tonight. And we'll need to talk about that with Joshua Wilson from Florida HS Football 
We'll be doing that when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiations, and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Macho Man Randy Savage is not a hippie. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. Outside interference here. Yeah. I'm living in a nightmare. But the cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. I am the cream. Yeah, let me say it to yeah. you. Let me say it out loud. The cream of the crop. I am the cream. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop! I'm on my way. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. Nobody does it better. No matter how hard you try, you can stop this now. No matter how hard you try, you can stop this now. 11.46 here on the Gridiron Stud Show, football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Someone's going to be singing that song tonight. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. A lot of great high school football games going down in the state of Florida tonight. I don't think I'll be able to get to all of them uh, with my next guest, but we're going to try and get to the top ones. And, hey, listen, Josh, uh, Joshua Wilson joins me from FloridaHSFootball.com. Um, let's just start right at the top. It's the big one. It's number one on your list on FloridaHSFootball.com of the top ten games of the week. And, listen, I'm, I really appreciate that you put that one out there. I like that. you got to have that one every week, Josh. Just point us right now to the biggest games in the state. Appreciate that segment uh, or that little article you put out there. You got to go to Miami Central, Miami North Washington. That's the, the, this might be the game of the year. For, forget Miami Central Booker T. Just throw that out the door. Just, just throw yeah. that out the door. That, 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 this is the game of the year now. And 
You I'll say this. It's good to have school. Northwestern back in the fold in this thing. It feels like the old days. Carroll City means something. Northwestern means something. And Booker T and Central are still good football teams. I mean, you got something going on down there in Dade County. There's a storm brewing down there, and it's not a hurricane. Thank goodness. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. This. Tell the folks what's at stake here. I don't think they so – if you're outside of the area listening to this, you may not understand. Miami Central, um, who's been absolutely as dominant as anyone's been in the state of Florida in their particular classification, is at risk tonight of not making it to the playoffs at all. Yeah, they're definitely at risk here. And that, that's, that, that's, the big count, that's the big part of this is that, you know, being at risk of not making the playoffs now – I was looking at the scenarios yesterday, and actually I got my piece of paper here where I was actually calculating this out because really just looking at this particular scenario, and I even footnoted, this district could be very interesting come next week. Mm-hmm. The thing is, Miami Central loses, they need a miracle next week mm-hmm. just to get a tiebreaker, just to get a tiebreaker shootout. They would need a miracle. And what would that and miracle need, involve? That miracle would involve Norland needing to beat Northwestern. Mm-hmm. That's that's the miracle that you need, and and that and, ah, is that really a miracle? I mean, it could it could happen. I mean, Norland's not a bad football team. Northwestern could find themselves being a little too giddy off of the Central win and get upset. I mean, that's why that division um, no, you're, no, you're is so right. tough. You're absolutely right. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. It could happen, but you know, just looking at this and thinking. You know, and, and, and just just looking at the numbers that you know, Carroll City's two and zero. They're at least guaranteed the tiebreaker spot on the tiebreaker right at this particular moment. Northwestern wins. Okay, Carroll City and Northwestern are two, and you know, Northwestern Northwestern goes to one and zero because this will be their first district game that they play. They play Norland next week, and they have Carroll City the week after. Mm-hmm. It's the whole the whole setup is that you know, and I was looking at okay, well, this is what would happen. This you know thing, and this is this is what it, the, the reality could be. Okay, Carroll City's two and zero going in the late night. Northwestern one and zero. Norland zero and two, but Norland's mm-hmm. not out of the mix just yet. Mm-hmm. And and Miami Central being one and two, but if, if but all bets are off because if okay, Central loses this week and then Northwestern wins next week against Norland, Central's not going to the playoffs. Central's out. Right. Right. Uh, I think the world would come to an end. I I think the whole. I think I think think you're going to see a lot of jubilation in Class Six A because there's there's a lot of teams in the North that are keeping an eye on this because they're like, really, this is just you know. I think they're having a hard time realizing, or I think some of the top teams in the Six A North are realizing. Wait a second. Maybe they can't get the five piece. This is the world's coming to an end. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just something that people can't really fathom. So far as predictions are concerned, uh, when we talk predictions, we talk Joe Pinkos, uh, and he has Miami Central winning this game by uh, three over Northwestern, and that just you know even adds to it. Three points. You're pretty much saying this game can go either way, which is the truth. Um, we happen to play against Northwestern this year, and uh, by us I mean American Heritage. And um, while we did dominate them in the first half, Northwestern had a Tennessee volunteer type of uh, never-say-die attitude. So if Central was to get out early in this game, I would warn them and their supporters to not get too comfortable. Northwestern's not going to lay down. No, they're a good second-half team, and that's that's the thing. That's the, that's the scary part is that you got to you know they they can come back in the second half and really. 
make a game in. And like you said, you know, they've only lost one that one game in. That's the American Heritage right there. And and I think you know that's you know that speaks volumes right there that they almost had they almost handed y'all handed American Heritage their first loss. Yeah, they absolutely did come. They absolutely did roar all the way back in that contest, and it came down to a final play. Speaking of uh, my American Heritage Patriots, we've got a big game tonight. It's number two on your list against Cardinal Gibbons. I'll, I'm not going to speak too much on our behalf. Uh, what's at stake, and uh, you know, what are your thoughts on this contest? Control the driver's seat in 5A16. That's you know, you know, no one can. No, Neither team can clinch the district because you still got Hallandale sitting there in the back at three. You know, Hallandale's actually sitting there at three and zero, so someone's going to join Hallandale in the driver's seat with that. Mm-hmm. The thing is now, now it's going to be turning pretty much. You know, you, it's either who's going to beat up on who, or you still, you, you, or you look at that game. You look at all this. Hey, she might have been a tiebreaker just as a side district champion and runner up. Now, I, you know, looking at with all the, both of these two games that could end up in, you know, that could be, you know, potentials to set up for a district tiebreaker situation, you know, mm-hmm. if this was next year with the new playoff format, you, you probably would be talking, okay, yeah, all three of these teams from each of these districts would be going. You know, we wouldn't be talking sitting here saying, oh, well, somebody's going to get left at home. You know, because that's that's not right. going to happen in that situation, and it is and it's crazy that somebody's going to get left home in six a sixteen. Somebody's going to get left home in five a sixteen. Yeah, uh, there's some good you know, under this under this scenario. I think we talked about this in our our first uh, show this year with you. Is that yeah? And under this current format, a lot of good teams are going to you know be home for the playoffs, and some a lot of teams that don't really deserve to be in the playoffs are going to get in it. Um, so you know, there you go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and that's what's going to happen is we're we're going to see that this year again. We're we're going to see some teams that shouldn't even be sniffing the playoffs making it. So, but you know these are two big games right here, and it, you just got to look at it and you realize that hey, this is South Florida football and it's finest this week, right there with those two games. Yeah, and you definitely got to love that. Sticking with uh, big games in South Florida, I'm going to slide down to number 10 on your list of the top 10 games this week in the state. And that's Glade Central taking on University School. Um, Not much talk about University School coming into the season. As you know, over the last few years, they've gone through some transitions. But University School has managed to go out and, you know, win some games and uh, come out and have a, a solid season, maybe a better season than people expected under Daniel Luque and uh, Glade Central is right there and it's these two teams right here at the top and they're going to duke it out tonight what are your thoughts on this one you know this is a this is a must win for university school because they dropped the one against Cloiston two weeks ago at Cloiston you know up there in Cloiston that Mm -hmm. that hurt them you know after getting off to that hot start you know winning those games and now 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 your playoff now your playoff folks are are on the line here you have to beat Glade Central or otherwise you're out you you because there is no, there is no going to be no chance for now. There will be no chance for a tiebreaker because it's almost a, almost a virtual certain guarantee that Cloiston beats Somerset Academy. No question about mm-hmm. that one. So mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. to, University School has to win this, and that's how big yeah. the stakes are on that game. Yeah, you, know, though, um, you want to make a second straight trip to the playoffs, you you got to win it. Yeah, and it's great for University School that you are getting this game at home. Uh, hopefully, that can propel them to a win here, but yes, a definitely a, a big key District 4A7 matchup. Sliding back up to uh, number three on your list, and it's Jones at Coco. Um, what's Coco had this year? I, I have to admit I've not paid as much attention to Coco. Uh, what do they have, and uh, who do you think wins this Coco versus Jones matchup? 
okay, they got Coco's got a solid roster. Let's let's put it that way. And when you look at the teams they've played, okay, they've played a strong Vieira team. They've played Trinity Christian. They've played Bishop Gorman. The only thing that that's that, that's the diff, that's the difference make that that's the difference that you set between Coco and Jones is Jones has not played this strongest schedule, but Jones has been surprising in their own right because they're coming into this game undefeated. They're they're winning games that they didn't win last year. They're blowing out teams that didn't even they would think you wouldn't think they would blow out at this particular point. I mean, I, but I think it's because they, they've got a really good head coach in the name of Elijah Williams that's there. He's he's, mm-hmm. he's well known. He's well known in the Orlando area for his coaching at Oak Ridge when he turned that program around. Which that so it's not even good there. What's happened with that program now? But mm-hmm. he, he, where he's where, where he's gone to coach, he has success with that, and that's the thing. And, and you know, for Jones, you know, could could Jones run away on Coco, or could Coco make it make it interesting for hand Jones their first loss? That's the big question here, and. Mm-hmm. You know, again, whoever wins this game is likely going to win the district. So, you know, if, if Coco loses, that's going to be another shock to the Flory system right there. You know, this is just to see how many more dominoes are going to change up. Because mm-hmm. that would put Coco on the road for the first time like that in the playoffs, you know, first round. And goodness gracious, it, it's, it, it's eight, nine years at least. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, no no doubt about that. Well, the last one I want to talk about is a game that went down last night. You had the two top teams, according to Max Preps, in the state of Florida and IMG Academy taking on Oxbridge. And what it ended up being, Josh, was a completely one-sided affair. i got to ask you this question. What's the future of IMG Academy um, in the state? You know, a game like this, which is on at the moment great for them, but when people see a one versus two matchup in the state end up in a thirty-eight nothing win, it's got to be more, and it's going to get more and more difficult for IMG Academy to schedule games, um, not oh, only yeah. around the country but in the state. Yeah, you have to start. Yeah, and, I, and I brought this up, and I and I said it last night, and I I, I know I probably stirred the pot a little bit with it, but this is the difference between a team that recruit nationally for their players and a team that mm-hmm. it has basically, you know, maybe players from all of Palm, you know, from a, the surrounding Palm Beach County area. And that to me is a major difference. And when mm-hmm. you've got a school, when there's a high school, when there's, there's several high schools in Texas, there's one that just recently did it publicly call IMG out, you know, there's mm-hmm. a problem, you mm-hmm. know, that, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, I, this is why, I did, to be honest, and this is, I, I know there's probably maybe an IMG person listening or something, I don't care. This is why we don't try, this is why we don't put too much coverage of IMG onto the site because it, there's a, there's a, there, they are a prep football team in the sense of they're more college level like than what I see, what we say high school football as in this. Okay, these kids are going through high school courses, high school classes for four years. They're going through the the stuff to get to college. I mean that that IMG, it's more like a college atmosphere already. Mm-hmm. Which we've already right. seen a few players go, and then they end up leaving because it's too much for them. It's, they're not ready for that that style. And you know what? You you know I, I say this. It's going to become tougher for IMG to schedule games with teams in the state of Florida, despite the fact that they're an FHA FHSA member. I think it's a lot of teams are just going to say, you know what? No, we don't want any part of this. 
And I'll tell yeah. you what, it's it's it, it. You know, some people might see it. Some people, some teams might schedule it, knowing, hey, okay, with the point system next year for the playoffs. Oh, okay, if IMG finishes nine and zero, well, they know they're going to get fifty points, thirty five points of it for a loss if they you know lose to them. You know, they're going to get the category one loss points for it. So, but yeah, how long before folks start tough. raising raising hell about them even being in any rankings? You know what I mean? I think that's going to be the next outcry. You know about them, you know being I mean, there's, there's being able to be a part of ranking. There's people crying about it now on the national level, but they're saying, "Oh, they're playing high school teams, so as long as they're playing high school teams, we're going to rank them." I'm just like, "But they should be able a team that's being ranked nationally should also be considered. Okay, are they playing for the state championship? Are they playing for the or are their league title? Whatever it is that their state system has set up for them." You know, because right. I know California doesn't have a true state championship kind of thing. I know they have the California, I know they have the CIF bowls out there, but sure. So that's their, sure. their equivalent. So you know, for 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 us, IMG is ineligible. I'd look at it as okay, you're ineligible to play for the state championship. You shouldn't be there. I had someone trying to argue with me that IMG should be invited to the state champions bowl because oh, they're the best team in Florida. They're number two nationally. No. The state title of state champions bowl is a state champion that actually is you know. That that's you know actually won a state championship you know okay so you know it's like a state yeah I mean it, I, I, I you know I feel you on that and you know it's going to be interesting seeing what scheduling is like for IMG going forward um, I see it's going to be oh, yeah. it's going to get increasingly difficult for them to schedule it's going to be and I wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, a higher you know percentage of games getting canceled on them during the season. As you know, Chaminade canceled their game against IMG uh, for week 11, I believe that it was. Oh, yes. I didn't, I never understood why it was made in the first place, but um, they're going to get it with a rash of cancellations. I don't understand why it was made either, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to give kudos to Damian Jones for actually getting the Damian Jones to get the, that game canceled because it's not mm-hmm. needed. It's not worth it. You've already got the district championship wrapped up. Why put your kids in a, in a situation where you might be having to call for body bags? I mean, this is literally what you would call yeah. it like that. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but that would be Put it bluntly, yeah, that, that, of course. I mean, probably I mean, a pretty smart move like made by him there. Yeah, no, I, uh, it's a I very definitely smart, It's a very smart, very smart yeah. move on their part because at that point, why risk it? This is not – you're, you're, you're not gaining anything from – Now, if this was, again, a new playoff format for next year, that might be a little bit of a different story. So Sure. Sure, but as it stands now, even winning, like getting an upset win in that game could result in a loss if you, you know, like you said, end up getting a bunch of injuries in that one. All right, well, we're going to have to leave it here uh, at that. And and listen, obviously some great games going down tonight. It's been a pleasure having you on to review some of them. Um, And, again, I always will be checking uh, the Twitter account tonight for, uh, you know, the results on some of the bigger games. And, of course, as I always uh, enjoy checking out uh, the upset special. So if you have a chance tonight, hey, you're out about, a, you can't follow. Hey, we almost had a few last night. I'll tell you what, Apaka almost about went down to their, little, their, their cross-town rival, Wakaiva. They almost about gotten handed to him. So yeah, they, so they, they, yeah. I have a feeling we're going to have some tonight. So you have a source tonight, folks. If uh, you want to follow high school football all across the state, go to FLAHS Football. Uh, at FLAHS Football on Twitter, and uh, you can catch up on all the scores as uh, you're at your game tonight or you're out and about. Uh, Josh, appreciate you coming on and talking Florida high school football on the Gridiron Stud Show. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Chad. Have a good one. All right. All right, you too. 
All right, that's Josh Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com. Uh, also a great follow on Twitter if you're into high school football in the state of Florida. And again, FLAHSFootball, at FLAHSFootball on Twitter. You can get all your scores tonight um, well, while you are uh, out doing what you do on a Friday. We're out of here, though. And uh, as always, we would like to thank all of you for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show, the Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show, always one of my favorite shows to do. And we've just wrapped up two hours straight of high school football, college football, professional football. We talked about the uh, big three in the state of Florida. That's Miami, Florida, and Florida State. I want to thank my guests for coming on the show today, Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com, Brian Abyss London, uh, as well as Sefi Dean from the Orlando Sentinel. And I uh, also want to thank Joshua Wilson for coming on and talking on the show. And, of course, my uh, co-host, Emil Calamino, for uh, that first hour that we did with uh, college and NFL football. And don't want to forget to thank you guys for listening. Continue to listen. If you love the Gridiron Stud Show, tell a friend. We'll be back on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Can you all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We got people visiting. We got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.